You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. started the series last week called uh, When Me Becomes We, and, uh, and, and, and before I even go into the message, I want, to, uh, I want to recognize a very special individual that's in the church with us, because we're going to talk about serving today. We're going to talk about serving in the church, and there is an individual that every message that I put together with the Lord's direction uh, is, is better because of, of, of three individuals, for sure, besides myself. And uh, uh, there's, a, there's a lady in the church. Her name is Judy Smith. She's here right now. I want, Judy, will you stand up for a second? Judy Smith is a part of my sermon research team. And so give her a big hand as she, as she did that. <laughs> Judy is, a, is an author. She's written uh, two books, writing her third, I believe. Uh, if you have not read her books, they're fantastic, and she just loves the Word of God, and she sends me gems that I use in my messages. And then uh, Jack and Jody Jones, who are not here right now, but they're in uh, uh, Colorado, I believe, and they've been uh, gone for, for a time period, and then they come back when it cools down. You know, they're, they're, they're those kinds of people that are kind of smart, and so they, uh, but they send me, they send me some, some gems over the email every week. And there are times that I put some of these things in and it makes every message better. And uh, so I just wanted to recognize, uh, recognize you. Judy, thank you so much for everything you do. Um, if you're a lady in here and you want to grow in the Word of God, she's one you want to connect to. And uh, it, everybody in here should, should read one of her books because they're fantastic. Um, let me start out by saying this. How many of you that are sitting here or maybe someone listening on the podcast uh, can think of an experience in your life where you joined a cause that was bigger than you. In fact, there was no way that you would be able to hit the target or meet the goal alone. You ever been a part of a, let's just throw some things out, a debate team or a an orchestra, a band, and, uh, and the, the people surrounding you made you better. Uh, the harmony in an orchestra is, is better when you complement each other. Uh, when you're a part of any team, you find out that, uh, that, that you're better when there's people around you. I have a lot of experiences. You know, I, I, could, I was a miner, so I, I, I can talk about the mine and talk about people around me that made my job safer and helped me there. I could talk about, um, you know, uh, different experiences in, in, uh, in the church, and I, I'll maybe share that. But there's one experience that I never forget. I never forget it. I was a senior in high school, and uh, I was on our, our track team, uh, which we had a very, very, uh, very good uh, track team in, in Lordsburg at that time, small town, Lordsburg, New Mexico, and uh, we were one of the contenders for the state championship. So we were going to Albuquerque to go uh, believe that we could compete with uh, the elite teams of, of New Mexico. And uh, track and field, if you think about it, uh, is often looked upon as a sport that you don't win a championship uh, with a team, you win it with individuals, right? You think about it, it's an individual sport. But the reality is what you find is you don't win a championship in track and field without a team. And so we went there and we had a, we had a, a wonderful uh, pole vaulter. He, was, he, was a, he, was a, he used to go to different track meets and he would win uh, the, the pole vaulting competition. And so he went to, to state and he medaled. And then we had a, um, a strong 800-meter uh, 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 specialist that ran for us. I remember his name, and uh, he was a great guy. Uh, in fact, he's gone home to be with Jesus. Uh, I thought about it. But he, uh, he, was, he medaled in the 800 meters. 
And then we had a, uh, a, a wonderful uh, discus, discus uh, thrower and shot put. So the weight part of our team was, was wonderful, the, the weighties, you know, and he medaled uh, in the event. And, and then out of nowhere, our 3,000-meter our guy uh, went, and in New Mexico, it may be different in other states, but in New Mexico, the long-distance uh, uh, elite runners are usually from the res, from the reservation. And so they would dominate. This is the true fact. They would dominate. Uh, first six places were always uh, individuals from the reservation. They could run like if nothing. They wouldn't get tired. And so our 3,000-meter our, uh, uh, specialist got a third-place finish in, in that meet. And that was incredible, right? And then we had a sprinter who who did okay in the, in the sprints, and he medaled as well. And, uh, but here's what we, we, we came to. Uh, the state championship was not going to be determined by one individual. It was going to be accomplished at the end of the meet, which is a 4x4-meter uh, four four, uh, relay race. It's the end of the, 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 the track meet in general. And it's the most exciting race in the, in the whole meet, and they save it for last, right? And you got your best 400-meter uh, specialist that run there. And so our team, our team got into the finals out of 30 teams, and we were rated number eight. We had the eighth uh, fastest time. So that means we had the, the slowest time in the whole uh, of everyone there in the championship uh, uh, relay. And so we uh, understood that that state championship was not going to be won by me's, but by we's. And as the race went on and, and, and they ran, it was crazy how every member of that, of that team were placed at different positions. Because you cannot run along the field with your team. Did you know that? It's against the rules. So you have to position yourself at different places. And, and the team was, and cheering them on, and, and guess what happened? This team that was predicted to come in eighth, they won the 4 by 400-meter relay. And we won the state championship. Now, all of that, you, you know, here's the thing. It, it, thank you, Christy, for that. That's, that's awesome. You know. <laughs> One, one person just loves that. And, and that's how life is, right? Because here's the deal. Uh, the majority uh, are thinking, hey, that's a high school meet. And, and, you know, all right, PJ, so you guys want a, a state championship. And, and to, to a lot of people, it might not mean a lot. But to, to us at that time, it meant so much. And what I learned, I learned one of the greatest life lessons that day. I learned this, and, I, and if, you, if you don't leave with anything else, I, I pray you leave with this. I learned that individuals rarely win in life alone. This life was created by God for people to win together. I want you to think about that. In marriage, how do you win? Alone? You win together. In families, how, how, how do you win? You know, we talked about that last week. Families don't win alone. They win together. Businesses, they don't win alone. The greatest corporations, if, you, if you've ever studied Fortune 500 companies, they all buy in. They all buy into a, a, a certain cause. They all buy into something that is valuable to them and that is worth their time. But it's especially true of the church. That's what the church is all about. The church is people who have been recreated by God to win together. Did you know that God wants us to win? And winning together comes with, with two, two great purposes. And we talked about this last week. We talked about how, how important it is for us to serve one another. Do you, do you believe that serving is important? It's important to a family. It's important to a business. 
It's especially important to the church. And then uh, just as important, and as you guys, you know, look around, and how important is unity? We talked about the two main themes. How important is it to be united? Why are we the United States of America? Because the, the forefathers knew if, if this country was divided, it would not stand. So they united all of these individuals for one cause. And, and, and this country became an amazing country because we united ourselves to a certain cause. And, and God has called the church. Here's the thing. God has called the church to win. How do I know this? Because I've read this book. And this book says that we win. That through all the trials, through all the tribulation, through all the, the circumstances that we face, through all the things that we go through, through all the losses in our life, the losing of loved ones, the losing of, of, of things that are important, the bankruptcies, the, 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 the whatever that you go through, this book gives us a promise that we win. But we don't win a, a state championship or a national championship. You know, I was blessed to be able to run with some Olympians. You know, I can, I can say, hey, I ran with, with, you know, Winthrop Graham, who was a, who was a uh, silver medalist for, for uh, Jamaica. You know, I, I, I was able to, now, could I run with him? I mean, I could run alongside, I, I, I could say this to him, Winthrop, I'm behind you, bro. Way behind you. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. But, but God wants us to win not with a, 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 a earthly temporal championship. He wants us to win eternity with God. And we partner with God in bringing other people to him. How do I know this? Because Paul wrote to the Philippians... And he said this in, in, in chapter 4, verse 1. He said this, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, plural, right? For you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. See, his crown, see, people think that your crown is going to be this, this special and this special uh, uh, material thing, the crown that Paul is talking about has to do with we, not me. He says, you guys are what I celebrate. You are the most important thing to me. Uh, my win, my win, beloved, has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with we. And so if I, if I personalize it, and I do, every Monday I personalize this. Every, every day of the week I personalize this. When people talk to me, I personalize this. I think to myself, my me is not a win, but our we is. My me at Living Word Chapel is not a win. My we or our we is my crown. Every person that we're going to baptize someone second service, guess what? That's my crown. That's our crown together. It's so incredible when you grab a hold of that. And working for God, Paul said this. He said, you are my joy and my crown that I receive for my what? For my work. Our working comes through serving. The church functions better when we all serve together for the common good. I was so blessed by Jim. Jim played drums today. First time. He's amazing. You know, God puts people together. God, there's, there's a gift that every person has. And, and here's the thing. God has called the church to unity. And so the devil's going to work in your life to divide you in the church. And how do I know that God wants the church to be united? Huh? Two, two reasons. Number one, when you're in unity, there's nothing impossible for, for God's people. When you're divided... You won't accomplish what you can when you're united. And God has not called us, hear me now, God has not called us to be clones of each other. Nothing sickens me more than when people go to church and they, they begin to imitate their pastor. They begin to dress like him. They begin to walk like him. I'm glad that all you guys are not dressed like me. That's wonderful. But instead, God wants us to be people of like-minded faith. 
And I know this to be true because this is what Jesus prayed for in John 17. This is what Jesus said. He's saying, he's praying to the Father. He said, I pray also. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about the apostles because he prayed for the apostles. He said, Father, let them be one as we are one. And then he says, I pray for those that will believe in me through their message. Guess, guess who's the benefit of that? Who's the benefactor of that? Us. So he's praying for us that all of them may be, say it with me, may be divided, may be one. Father, just as you and me, are, just as you are in me and I am in you. The Father and the Son are two different personalities. The Holy Spirit is a, a, a different personality, yet one God, right? That's where we get the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Here's Jesus talking right here. They're one, okay? May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So we are included into this. We are grafted into this walk with God, and God brings us in, and we're one with him. Someone say amen. That, that is, like, incredible. I have given them the glory so how many of you walk around with glory? You, you should. You shouldn't walk around like all gloomy and stuff. He said, I have given, God, Jesus has given us glory. I've given them the glory, right, that you gave me that they may be, say it with me, one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then, here's the thing. This is why the world is not impacted by faith. Okay? This is why the world is not. How many churches are divided? How many church? How many of God's people are divided? How many of us in our hearts do we have a difference with someone in the church? This is exactly why people outside of the church don't come running to God. Right here. He said this. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them just as you loved me. Here's the thing. If we can't love one another, how can we tell the world that God is love? Unity is never about me. That's division. Unity is always about we. It was never about me with Jesus. It was always about we, it was, you know, I, I didn't come to do the will of myself. I didn't come in my own initiative, but I came to do, do the will of my Father who sent me. So from the onset of our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will work through the word to point our hearts to walk in unity with each other and with the church abroad. Hear me now, God has never called us to walk in division. The devil does. And so here, here's our Bible passage for today. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and 13. And, and just a little kind of, uh, of uh, content and context uh, a, a description of that. So Paul is writing to the church in, uh, in Corinth, and he's telling them that there are a, a, a variety of gifts, but they, they come from one giver. Every person is unique. Every person is shaped differently. Every person has an ability given by God, but the, the, the whole thrust of it is there, there's one giver, the Holy Spirit, and there's one Lord that is glorified when we use the gifts, okay? So then he gets to, to verse 12, and he says this, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we, are, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. And there's a, that baptism. We're going to have a baptism second service. We've had almost 500 people baptized at Living Word Chapel. Every one of them have been baptized into Christ. People are not baptized into Living Word Chapel. People are not baptized into an, a, a church down the street. You're baptized into Christ. Someone say that's a good thing. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether we're Jews or Gentiles, whether we're slaves or frees, whether we were all given one, the one spirit to drink. In Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 5, it says, do not be drunk on wine because it leads to dissipation, but be what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been given the Holy Spirit to fill our lives so that continuously we can, we can have the, the fullness of God. How many of you walk in the fullness of God every day? It's for us. We can walk in the fullness of, of God, his forgiveness, his love, his acceptance, his significance. All of that is for us. And so from this scripture, I, I have three essentials that will lead our church to thrive. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I desire for our church to continually thrive with the things of God. Essential number one, when me becomes we, the church will minister in unity. I'm going to go back to, to verse 12. It says, just as a body, though one, has different parts or many parts, all of its many parts form one body, and that's how it is with Jesus Christ. I want you to test me on this, okay? I want you to test me on this. One of the greatest themes in the Bible is unity. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people would scatter, and they'd go after different gods, and they'd do their own thing, and God would bring them together, bring them in unity. He'd use Moses. He'd use Zechariah. He'd use Jeremiah, and he'd bring them together for them to be in unity. In the New Testament, Jesus prayed for his disciples because he knew that division is one of the greatest tools of the enemy in our lives. And God created unity as one of the most important elements of success in not only our life, but I want you to test me on this, but in the, even the lives of his creation. Have you ever seen ants work? Do, do, have you ever seen them pass by each other as one is going one way? Have you seen them? Talk, they, they communicate. It's crazy. I, I have seen this. Have you seen animals in their, in their flocks, in their herds, and, they, and they're better together? They, 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 they thrive in, in the wilderness together when they're alone. It's dangerous for them. We can learn a lot from geese. Not only do they honk, but we can learn a lot from geese. And, and, and I was studying geese, and you're going to say, Pastor, why, why do you want to know about geese? I'm going to tell you why. If you could do the things that geese do together, I would be talking about you. But we, 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 can't, we fight it. We fight what God wants us to do together. Okay, here's what we can find out about geese. Why do geese fly as a group in a V formation? Can anyone answer that? Let me tell you. Some of you guys know. You've already studied them, and I'm, it's wonderful. They fly in a, in, a, in a V formation because as each goose flaps its wings, it creates an uplift for the birds that follow. Now, let me put it in simple English. When they, when they fly in unity, it makes it easier for them to get from one place to another. Now, for a Christian, how, how can we grab a hold of that? Jesus prayed to the Father for us to have unity so that it would be easier, not only for us, but for those that are walking with us. We should be encouraging people. We should, have, we should make it easier for people, not make it harder for people as they walk with the Lord. Here's number two that, that we learned. Flying in the V formation enables the whole flock to add 70% greater flying range than if each bird flew alone. Here, here, here's a crazy statistic. According to sources, a flock of geese has been known to fly 1,500 miles together. 1,500 miles. Now, if they weren't flying together, minimize that by 70%. 1,500 
they would be 30% effective. Now, churches who walk in unity reach more people and impact more, more communities than those who are divided amongst themselves. In fact, churches that are divided don't reach anybody. People, churches that are united, they reach a lot of people for the kingdom. Number three, when a goose falls out of formation, it suddenly feels the drag and resistance of flying alone, and it quickly moves back into formation to take advantage of the lifting power of the bird in front of it. In other words, they quickly recognize the benefits of being a part of the group and the difficulty of flying alone. So what about for the follower of Jesus? For the follower of Jesus, we should quickly recognize the need for church fellowship in roles and in circles. Amen? This is vital to you right here. When you come together and we worship God, great things happen. But it's also important when we come together as a small group and we come together in mentorship, whatever it may be, so that we grow together in that way. We're better together. Number four, when the lead goose tires, it rotates back into the formation and another goose flies to that point position. In other words, they share responsibilities. Now look at what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4. It's so good. It says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. That's, that's God's formation of servant leadership. And then he goes on and he says this, to equip his people for the works of service. So let's, let's, let's think about that. Pastors and teachers, evangelists, prophets, and apostles are there to what? Equip every person that's in the body of Christ for the work of of service. Here's what you need to grab a hold of. Write it down on your, on your outline real quick. Every person in the body of Christ is a minister. Did you know that? The, the literal says he's equipped every person to minister to the needs, okay? So that the body of Christ may be built up. So if everybody's working together, the body of Christ will be built up until we all reach what? Until we all reach Unity, can you, out, can you, in your outline, can you underline that? Till we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, beloved, you will not reach the fullness of Christ until you start serving one another. Until we come together in unity and we do the things for God. Our effectiveness as a church is multiplied when we share the responsibilities of ministries, when we get tired. I, I thank the Lord. Judy, you don't even understand how much better you make our messages. You, you don't understand. Uh, think about this. Just think, think with me. Every pastor that puts a message together is like doing a research paper every week. I'm, I'm just going to be very real with you guys. So my, my manuscript is about... From 1,700 to 2,500 words every single week. Every week. And when people come alongside and, and that, that leadership role, that, that place of, of feeding the flock, it makes us better. Now think about it with me. What if every one of you were doing something in the body to make it better? I talked to someone this week, and, and, and they're fantastic financially. They're, they're great with their finances. I said, we're going to be putting a financial team together to help us with the, the working of the church so that not only the elders are going to be doing the spiritual needs, but we need, some, we need a team that helps us with our financial needs so that we run as an organization that brings glory to God in our finances. And I know he's one of the persons that's going to be very, very strategic in that. Everyone has a gift. And we should all come alongside. Don't the, 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 the churches that think that the pastor is supposed to do everything are the churches that have pastors that end up in a mental hospital. I'm not kidding you. There's a young pastor that just passed away recently. He committed suicide because of, of depression and anxiety. Mega church in California. He just passed away. Took his life. And the reality is because, you know, he's carrying a load he shouldn't be carrying. He needs people to come alongside and help him in that very thing. 
I'm not going to, Lord, I don't feel like if I'm going to commit suicide, but, but just telling you, those things happen to every, every part of leadership. Amen? But I love this part. Number five, the geese flying in formation, they honk to encourage those up front to keep up their speed. I think we have a video that does that, Tina. I think we have a video that does that. That's, that's an accurate, okay? Yeah. Now let me say this. Hold, okay, Tina, that's good. Put the, put the audio down. Sounds like some of the congregation right there. Here, here's the thing. Geese honk. People speak. For, 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 for the goose in front of a honk, it's, wel- it's a welcoming noise that, that encourages them to keep up that same speed. That's exactly why they honk. They're saying, honk, honk, keep it up, keep it up, honk, honk, keep it up, keep it up. <laughs> Have you not heard that? So t- tell your honey that. Honk, honk, keep it up, keep it up. Right now, now, now for people, here, here's the thing geese honk, people speak. Because for people, a honk, a honk might make someone just saying flip you the bird. So don't, don't be, <laughs> don't be honking. So, so here's what I'll say the people who are leading ministries. They don't need your honks, but they do need a special word of encouragement. Nanette Soule and her team working in children's ministry, when's the last time that you guys encouraged them? And I'm not saying this for guilt. When's the last time you guys said, hey, thank you for being with our kids. Thank you for working with our children. You're amazing. That's awesome. You know, how, how many times... Do you encourage the sound people, you know, hey, you guys are doing a great job. You know, the only time that the sound people even get looked at is when the sound goes bad. <laughs> the only time the media, that, that people turn around and look and say, man, they're doing a, you don't say they're doing a great job. They're like, hey, what's going on with the PowerPoint? You know, let's encourage one another. Let's, let's, let's be there for each other. How about that greeter that, walk, that, that greets you at the door that's smiling. It, it's just, it's incredible. We need each other. And here, how about the people that are, that are struggling and they've fallen? They, they, they're going through a difficult time. I, this is my favorite scripture in the New Testament when you're helping people to, and encouraging them through a difficult time. Galatians 6.1 says this. It says this. Live creatively, friends. I love the way the, the message puts it, uh, the par- message paraphrase. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls, even if they fall into sin... Forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so, com- and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you're badly deceived. When's the last time you helped someone up? When's the last time that you flapped your wings from the front so that someone in back could be uplifted? Huh? I need to check myself as well. I'll be going to Copper Quarter. I got a text this this week that a family member's mom has got leukemia, and they've given her a short amount of time to, to, to live. I'll be going down there and praying in the name of Jesus, praying for the family, praying for, for her for strength. I'm, my prayer is that I'm going to be these wings that's going to uplift them, and they're going to be able to have a better life in these days. Can we do that together? Can we win together? And then number seven, it says this. Um, when uh, Number seven, they stay with it, with that goose that falls until it is able to fly again or until it dies and then they catch up with the flock or launch another formation. And here's what the Bible says. Same passage, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, it says, if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, 
every part rejoices with it. As a church, can I tell you, when, when one person hurts, all of us should hurt. When one person is honored, all of us rejoice. Not get jealous, not say, oh, I can't believe that they're, you know, who do they think they are? We should be this, right? Way to go. Okay, no, essential number two. When me becomes we, the church welcomes diversity. I don't know if you know this, but there are churches that are closing their doors every day. Do you know that? Let, let me help you out. Just take a drive around any town and see if you see a church that once had cars parked outside on any given Sunday. And you'll see that there's windows boarded up and empty parking lots. In fact, I know this because the census, the latest census tells us this. says, uh, and not only that, it was backed up by the AG Missions Division, Assembly of God Missions Division, that did a big, big uh, uh, survey on this. It says, every year more than 4,000 churches close their doors in the United States compared to just over 1,000 new churches that start. Now, let me, let me also remind you of this. God's church is not going to fail. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. I will build my church and the, and the gates of Hades, death, are not going to overcome it. The reality is that most churches that are shutting down are shutting down because they refuse to change. Churches that thrive not only embrace change, but they are intentionally diverse. You know what I love about Living Word Chapel? Is that we look a lot different than each other. And yet we love the same Jesus. You know, you know what I love about Living Word Chapel is that we come from a lot of different places. And yet we love the same God. Here's what I know for sure, and you, you need to know this. This is, this is so important. America is filled, it's filled with what, what, is what they call the nuns. Not the N-U-N, but the N-O-N-E, the nuns. And those are individuals that don't affiliate themselves with any church or any God, okay? The nuns, they say, I don't want nothing to do with it. Generation Z is the largest generation of people in the history of the United States, and it's very unchurched. But then, here's the, here's the crazy thing. I got my hair cut, I'm sorry, I took uh, my grandson, Stephen, to get his hair cut at the barber in Oracle, Okay? As I was sitting there at the barber, this is so cool, there was two 80-year-old men that were there. You know, young, young people, right? Generation 80. And as we're sitting there, uh, they didn't know who I was. And they started to talk, and, you know, they were just there to talk. They're not there even there to get a haircut. They just want to talk to people. And so I think that's what maybe 80-year-olds do. They just like to talk to people, which is wonderful. And so as they're talking, this is something that came out of their mouth, and I'll never forget it. One of them said, uh, they started talking about church, right? And so my ears went like this. And the 80-year-old man, one of them said this. He said, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I used to go to church, and I used to have to sit up straight, and I could not make a sound, and I had to listen for one hour, this is his words, not mine, for one hour to the most boring sermon I had ever heard in my life. I'm never going to church again. And the other, the other uh, eight-year-old said, you know, he started saying some things, and so I pulled out my phone, and I said, can, can I tell you a little bit about uh, the church where I go? <laughs> I said, the pastor's boring, but everything else is good. <laughs> And so I pulled, I pulled out this, these pictures of our family fun Sunday. I said, this is what our kids do at church. And they were looking at the slides and the water and the smiles on their faces of the kids and, 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 and how they enjoy, 
how they're coming out of, of uh, our, our kid zone, and they're so excited, and those, those men were electrified, saying, wow, that's so amazing. Here's the thing, beloved. There has to be diversity in a church for a church to thrive. And here's, here's for all of us that are, that are in, in the ages of, of 50 to, to 75, 80, and we're all in here and we're doing things for God. And we've got our, our, our 20s to 40s that are beginning to come. And, and, and we all need to together settle the reality that we're going to be a church that's going to reach people. No matter where they're at, no matter what their outcome is, I mean, no matter what their background is, and that we're going to love them where they're at. We're going to be a church that doesn't care about your political affiliation because the, the God that we serve is not, here's the thing, he, his, his symbol is not the symbol of, a, of an elephant, and he's not, the, he's, he's not a, a, a symbol of a donkey. The God that we serve, we're affiliated with the Lamb of God. And when we grab a hold of that reality, and we understand that God loves people no matter where they're at, no matter where they come from, it will change our lives. We cannot struggle with diversity. We've got to embrace it. That's why chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians is in the Bible. This is what it says in verse 4 through 7. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Me becoming we. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And, 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 and this is what you need to realize. Someone needs to hear this. You need to realize that you were born into this generation to make a difference. And every day that you don't make a difference for the glory of God is a day that you waste it. You don't get it back. Your influence, hear me now, your influence changes every day of your life. At 40 years old, I had a different influence that I have now at 50. At 60, I understand I'm going to have a different influence. Every day that I don't give to the kingdom of God is a day that I waste it for the glory of God. This is what, what uh, Peter said about David. He said this about David. He said, David served God's purposes in his own generation. In other words, David didn't waste his time and say, I can't do it until I retire. I can't do it until I, I do this. I can't do Every day is an opportunity for you to serve God. And here's what you need to know is that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit never take from you. They always pour into you. God never takes from us. The Bible says we are his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works. That God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In two weeks I'll be speaking in San Diego at a men's conference. Did you know that God prepared that before I was born? Did you know, I, I know that. I'll be speaking to a whole different audience, a whole different church. It's not about me. It's about him. God prepared what you're doing. God prepared the things that he wants to do in you before you were ever born so that they could glorify him. There's children, there's, there's young people that are in this service right now. There are children that your influence is so much greater than some of us that are older. You guys have more energy. You got more power. You got more strength. You could be doing this. You know, our schools are better when, you know, I can tell you a lot of things that are going on, great things, just don't have the time. But our schools are better when you got a lot of energy there, and, they're, and especially when they're believers in Christ and they're pouring out the goodness of God. That's another sermon. That's next week. So here's essential number three, okay? Essential number three. When me becomes we, our church will become intentional about serving. When there's a local church that is not intentional about serving, where everybody is, is you know, if you get mad about serving, if you say, I'm not going to do it, I, don't want, I can't do this, 
if you get mad, it's because there's, there's something wrong in our culture. A culture of a church should always be, we're all about serving the, the greater cause. We're all about serving the greater purposes of, purposes of God. We're all about doing our part for the glory of God. In fact, um, Peter said this, each of you, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Why? Because you're a steward of God's treasure. And your treasure has three complements. Did you know that? One is your gift. One is your monetary blessings. And the other is your time. We're all going to give an account for that. What did you do with the time? God's going to ask us, what did you do with the time? I gave you 24 hours every day. Sometimes we mismanage our time. We don't have to. We can say, God, let me put you at the top and everything else will work. With your treasure, Lord, let me use my gifting for your glory and everything else will work. And our money, we're not taking anything with us. All the money, everything that God's given us, everything, everything is for our life here on earth so that we can bring glory to God. Does that mean you can't have a place in the White Mountains? Please have a place and let pastor go there for one week a year. Let me say this. I want you to consider this. You don't have to serve everywhere, but you should be serving somewhere in the church. Every person that has a church home should be serving there. I, I, I don't know about you, but in my family, when we have a get-together, all my kids are grown now, when we have a get-together, everybody chips in. Everybody does something. Organizations, jobs, everybody chips in or else they get fired. In the church, we get to chip in. And so I, I want to show this video. I want to show this video because I want us to win together. I want us to win together. First, first service, let, let me say something to you. This is our 4x4 four four relay. And maybe someone predicted that we were going to get eighth place, but I think we can win. I think there's someone in your circle of influence who needs Jesus. There's someone in your neighborhood who needs God, and we're going to bring them to God together. There's someone in your family who's struggling with depression. There's someone in your family that's struggling with, with, a, with a divorce. We're going to win together. We're going to help them find love through Jesus in the church and through the church. Some of our kids that are not, some of our young adults, I'm not going to, you know, hit below the waist, but, but I'm just going to throw a punch at the, in the midsection. How many of our young adults, how many of our, our 20s to 40s are in church? How many are there? And you don't have to answer anything. We want them to be a part of a body somewhere so they can walk with Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's win together. Go ahead and put this video on.
Beloved, will you, uh, will you join us in winning together? Will you join us? Can I tell you that we can't do it alone? I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Will you join the cause of Christ where you say, you know what, I, I can't serve everywhere, but I can serve somewhere. And, and let me even say this as the praise team comes out. Let me say this. This is so, so grand right here. It doesn't even have to be about every week. It could be like once every two months, once every three months that you give someone, you give someone an opportunity to rest, that you give that lead goose a, 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 a time to come back and be uplifted. You know, I, I, th I thank the Lord for the people that come and speak when I take some time off. Um, they say that, that preaching a message is like an eight-hour workday. So I, I work uh, three uh, full-time shifts every Sunday. <laughs> That's what it's all about, and it does take a lot. But I thank the Lord for the people that come and, and, and let me get uplifted. And so here's what I would say to you. In your, in your uh, connection card, can you do me a favor and just tear that out and pull, wave it in the air like if you really care? Right now, wave out your connection card. Okay, in your connection card, everybody. There's a place there that's there that says, I want to serve. Look at your connection card. I want to serve. And, and here's what I want you guys. This is not about us pinpointing where you're going to serve. This is about you saying, I want to serve. And then we, we will get, we'll do the next thing. We'll reach out to you. And we'll find your perfect place to serve. Or maybe the place that you're needed. Because I'm of this, I'm going to make two executive decisions today. Mark this down, Janet. Number one, we're bringing donuts back. Forget the new, forget the, I think we've lost people because we, we started do, giving donuts. They went down to the church, down the street, saying they, they're giving, I'm just kidding, I don't know that. We're bringing donuts back, number one, and coffee. And number two is that uh, not only do we serve where we're gifted, but we serve where we're needed. I started out serving Shauna and I where we were needed, not where we were gifted. And God taught me so many lessons there. You're needed somewhere. You can make a difference somewhere. Jim, I want to just publicly, right here in front of everybody, thank you for a step, taking a step of faith. You made us better today, bro. You made us I believe that there's a lot more Jims coming. I believe our praise team is going to be filled with people that are gifted and are going to bring glory to God. I believe our church is going to be filled with people. And I'm talking about diversity. I'm talking about young people. I'm talking about older people. I'm talking about brown people. I'm talking about white people. Everybody that are going to be filled for the glory of God. Because that's a God that we serve. And he's good. So I want to pray this prayer with you. And I'd love for you to turn in your cards in the, in the receiving station. Please turn in your cards. And my prayer is that there's 70% of you that are going to say, I want to serve. Because that's what good churches do. Let's pray. God, we thank you for showing us the importance of me becoming we in the church. You've shown us how, val how you value unity, diversity, and service. I pray for you to give me the wisdom and strength to serve your purposes in my generation. I also pray for my efforts and serving to bring glory to Jesus. Thank you for the gift that you've given me. Help me to not only recognize it, but to multiply it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of us pray this together in the name that is above every single name that is named on the earth or in heaven or below. The name of Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ and the anointed one of God. In his name we pray and everyone said amen. And let's worship our God. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more.